Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today's guest is Morgan Rabowski from the class of 2017. Listen as she shares about her experience on the world race and how she uses her business to fulfill the Great Commission. Enjoy this conversation with Mark Weinstein. Thanks, Sarah, for the introduction, and hello, everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. We're in the middle of March, and oftentimes when we get to this point of the year, I think of Girl Scout cookies. Well, today, we're not going to talk about these kind of cookies, but the conversation of how Morgan Roboski is using her business at Church Street Cookies in Cedarville is central to today's program. Morgan earned a degree in youth ministries from Cedarville University back in 2017, and today, she is serving all populations, youth, adult, and senior citizens at Church Street Cookies, which has quickly become a favorite place for the Cedarville community. If, you've ever, if you're ever in the area and want a good cookie, maybe even a great cookie, I encourage you to stop by and purchase some of her cookies. They're really good. I know that from firsthand experience. Morgan is originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but today she, she resides in Jamestown, Ohio. She has a passion for missions and sharing the love of Jesus with anyone she meets. It's my pleasure to welcome Morgan Roboski to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Morgan. It's good to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So when I first heard of your story, I immediately thought that I needed to have you on the program because you've lived a very fascinating life. But before we get to that part of the program, I want to hear how you first heard about Cedarville University and what prompted you to enroll and become a student. Yeah, I um. So, like you said, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Uh, I was going to the church that I lived my entire life in. Yeah. And I, a friend of mine, came out to visit Cedarville, and she wasn't sure how she like. She decided it wasn't the place for her, but she came up to me one day at church and said that she thought that I would love Cedarville. Uh, I came out to visit a couple times, and the first time I came to visit. I just had this overwhelming piece of, I think this is where I needed to be. Yeah. I told myself I didn't want to be more than about two hours from home, and Cedarville was about four hours, right. so a little farther than I had originally planned, but I just felt like it was the place I needed to be before I even came to visit for the first time. So God's plans are always perfect, right? Correct. So being from Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And for myself, I lived north of Pittsburgh for 15 years. Um, if the road is wet, and I would say slippery, how do you say that back in Pittsburgh? Uh, that would be slippy. Slippy. Uh -huh. And the, the, the part of the community that's in the central heart of the city is what? I don't have quite as much of a Pittsburgh accent as I used to, but... There is very much of an H in the middle of downtown that yes. comes out more of like a downtown kind of drawn out and word. Wh and what's this Yun's thing all about? Well, the South has y'all okay. and Pittsburgh has its own version. So it would be Yin's guys yep. going places. Uh -huh. I learned a lot when I moved to Pittsburgh back in the, uh, in the 90s. So um, yeah, just a little fun with you uh, talking Pittsburghese. I know your dad will get a laugh about that. So <laughs> speaking of your dad, so I know your dad works at Cedarville. And so when you came to visit the campus, you came out with your mom. Mm -hmm. Your dad didn't come. Your dad didn't come, in fact, until you, you were moving into campus. Um, how difficult was it for him and maybe your mom for you to come this far away from 
Pittsburgh from where they live? Yeah, um, I've always been a homebody. Uh, yeah. So I've always been really close to my parents and my brother. Um, so it definitely, I don't think it was an easy transition for all of us, but my parents also know that they don't want to stand in the way of what the Lord has asked me to do or where he's asked me to be. As a student, Morgan, um, what are some of the fondest memories that you recall from your time here at Cedarville? Honestly, just any time that I was spending time with friends, um, Little things of just doing homework together or spontaneous trips to Young's. Um, I, as a youth ministry major, um, our classes were typically a lot of fun um, while we were learning at the same time. I remember walking into one of my classes after junior jam, uh, probably my junior year of college, and there were like ball pit balls. Um, that didn't get cleaned up from the event. And I walked into the classroom where we were going to be to a dodgeball game happening with my fellow classmates. Um, oh. And it was just one of my, I don't know, like before class had started. Yeah. Um, and it's just little things like that where like we were friends, like we were all friends and just loved to have fun yeah. in every part of what we were doing. Who's your professor? Um, I think that was... Hutch, Dr. Hutchison. Did he get involved in the <laughs> I think battle? it had died down before he got there. It was either him or Dr. Dixon. I could see I could see both of them uh-huh. involved in it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It's a good memory. So um, you've talked about having fun in as a college student in the classroom, but academically, did did the academic rigor of a Cedarville education meet your expectations? Um Definitely, um, which is a good thing. I um, I always had to, like, I was never the best student in high school, but, uh, like, did well, um, but had to, like, I knew coming into Cedarville that it was going to be challenging, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to come to Cedarville, because I knew how good of an education I would get. Yeah. Let me, let me go back to when you were deciding uh, Cedarville was a place to come. What, what did you see that made you think that and compared to the other schools you were looking at? Because you're obviously lo- yeah. looking at schools closer to Pittsburgh. Right, right. I, um, before I even stepped foot on campus, I just had this overwhelming piece about Cedarville. Um, but got to campus, and I remember walking. I was going to go visit one of the like, classes during my visit day. And I was walking away from my mom, who was going to just hang out while I was in the class, and one of the Cedarville students, like one of the current students, um, just like stopped and welcomed me to campus. And like it felt like home before I had even finished yeah. my application. Yeah. So my last question to you about you and your family, I, I realized that in preparing for this podcast that um, your family, your parents actually left Pittsburgh to move here mm-hmm. be closer to you, I assume. Is that right? Well, um, my freshman year... Um, the fall semester of my freshman year, both of them lost their jobs within oh. six weeks of each other. Okay. Um, my dad's was at the end of um, October, and then my mom lost her job right around finals week. Okay. Um, they both ended up applying for jobs here at the university, and both got the jobs uh, mid-spring semester. So uh, my brother finished off his sophomore year of high school in Pittsburgh, and the whole the whole family moved out here. So does that soften your 
your need for having being a homebody to have family nearby <laughs> you does that help yeah oh yeah um it we always joke that my parents followed me to college yeah um which that was the path that the lord provided um, right but yeah it, i got to i had a 15 minute drive home for breaks and could go watch Steeler games on sundays uh, and get a home-cooked meal uh, every weekend too, which was nice. So you obviously have a passion for youth ministry. That's why you went in that major. Yeah. But you also care a lot about missions. And that's how I want to dive into that in this part of the program. And I heard from your dad that you participated in, in something called the World Race. Can you tell us what the World Race is about? Sure. It is an 11-month missions, organ- missions program where – you're in a different country every month. So I spent 2019 in 11 different countries doing ministry in each place. So as we went. What, what countries were you in? Uh, I spent three months in West Africa. So I was in Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, and Togo. Okay. And then I spent four months in Southeast Asia, in Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, and the Philippines. And then spent four months in South America in Argentina, Chile, Peru, and Ecuador. Okay. So what were you doing in these countries? Um, anything from like children's ministry um, and sharing the gospel to um, painting houses, painting whatever they needed done, yeah. um, a wide variety of things. Tell us some of your favorite memories from these 11 months yeah. in, in the world race. Um, my first month in Africa, we were in a little village where we would walk um, for about 45 minutes to get to the village square every day. And we, life was just simpler in every part of that month. We didn't have running water, didn't have mm. cell phone service, anything like that. No Wi-Fi, um, hand washed all of our laundry, that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, the simplicity of just every part of that is one of my favorite things that I walked away from walked away with from that. Uh, And I, when I got to South America, I had zero expectations of like what was to come, but I just fell in love with every part of it. Uh, I, there was one weekend where we did like a Bible bowl type thing or like Bible quiz thing. Sure. And while the church we were working with came in last, we, uh, we still went out to celebrate afterwards and just got to spend time getting to know the teenagers and getting to know the congregation, which was yeah. a ton of fun. How did you interact with uh, people who maybe who didn't speak English? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. We In most of the places we went, we couldn't speak the language, or at least most of us couldn't speak the language. Uh, you almost get really good at charades to okay. an extent yeah. of like – when we were in Africa, we almost were able to communicate better with the people that we didn't have any words that we could share. Uh, and just honestly, the grace of God, like yeah. his goodness yeah. is like, it shows up whether you speak the same language or not. What was, what were some of the most challenging situations that you recall from yeah. any of the countries that you were in? Sure. We lived out of a, like a big camping backpack the entire time we were gone. So no rolling suitcases or anything like that. Um, So like one of the goals of something like the world race is to kind of 
peel back the like the comforts of what you have at home sure uh, and just be able to rely on the lord and like what's in front of you uh so there were definitely days where it was challenging to have like five t-shirts to my name and that kind of stuff but through every like no matter what the challenge was the lord provided in every bit of it so when you were packing to to, to go what did you put in your suitcase yeah. or so, backpack fair um we everyone took it like a tent and like a sleeping pad which is like yeah. a mini uh like air mattress uh and then like some long skirts because we were starting in africa different stuff like that uh you really start to realize that like the material stuff isn't what matters and that yeah. just being able to, yeah, just follow the Lord in every step that he puts in front of you is more important than the little bit of stuff that you're carrying on your back. So, you know, I've never been really out of the country outside of uh, uh, Mexico briefly and Canada. So it's hard for me to fathom, but I, I, I my mind goes to food. Uh-huh. And so were you, were you responsible for your own food, for cooking it and getting it, or how did that whole process play out? Um, it really depended on the country we were in. Um, we had like host organizations in most of our countries, yeah. and we had to fundraise for our trip. So all of the fundraising covered flights and food and housing and all okay. of that kind of stuff too. Okay. So we had food money. Uh, in certain situations, we would give like our host all of the money for food, and they would provide the food, cook the food. Okay. Um, all of so that. So you didn't have to cook food. Um, in most places, we didn't. There were a couple countries where we were given our food money, and then we would either go shopping at like street vendors or go to the grocery store and cook for ourselves that way. Were there any uh, American kind of restaurants like McDonald's or? Um, saw McDonald's in almost every place we went. Um, and it was funny. There would be places where like, I don't eat at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings or anything at home very often, but it was almost like you went to the places that you recognized every so often, yeah. and they felt like a treat because right. it was something similar from home. So you're gone for 11 months. Uh, I can't imagine that. Um, what, what are some spiritual lessons that you learned as a result of this expedition yeah um just not having to i had access to my cell phone for only about three months of the year so i it was almost like fasting from technology and the time that i would normally spend scrolling social media i was able to spend with the lord and just getting to grow my relationship deeper with him mm-hmm. yeah you learn a lot about just not like that the Lord is everything you need in every situation. And that like all of this stuff that we have stateside isn't the stuff that's most important. Yeah. We get really spoiled over here, don't we? Indeed. We really do. Yeah. So when you were going on this trip, I don't think you knew anyone that was going to be with you. How was that to get to know new people? And, and then as a follow up. Um, do you still maintain relationships with some of these people? So we had training camp for about 10 days before we left. So we all, we went to the headquarters of the world race in October and spent time 
doing different ministry training and getting to know everyone we would be traveling with. And then went back home for the holidays. And then I left at the beginning of January. So we, when you're living with the same 33 people or so, you really get to know them fast because they're the people that you're going to be spending right. all sorts of time with. Right. Uh, I walked away from the world race with some of my best friends. Right. I, it didn't take long at all for us to be really, really close. And I, yeah, I, none of them live in Ohio, but I, we still get to visit each other every so often and are still really close. Okay. Before I move off the world race for a little bit, uh, do you have a favorite country or two that uh, you visited that you'd love to go back and see people that maybe you've met or just meet new people? Yeah, I fell in love with Chile in South America. Our hosts that month were, um, they were first time world raced hosts. Okay. So they had never done it before. And within the first, so we spent about four and a half weeks there. And within the first week, they, it felt like they had adopted us as their own children yeah. uh, to the point where they even took us on family vacation with them at the end of the month. Nice. And I would go back to visit them in an instant. Yeah. Is the world race affiliated with some uh, parachurch or church ministry or how is that formed? It is, it's not part of a church, but there's an organization called Adventures and Missions okay. and they do anything from week-long trips to they have a gap year program that's nine months and then the 11-month program as well. Okay, and is it still going on today? It is. Um, COVID changed it a little bit and um, just how they, um, how it's set up and how it functions, but they are still still going today. And what year did you go? 2019? I went in 2019. Mm -hmm. And you came, so you left in what, January and came back in December? or um, Came back right before Thanksgiving. So okay. January through the end of November. Okay. Yeah, it'd be 11 months. So when you returned back to Ohio, uh, you came back during COVID and the, pandem the pandemic uh, had shut down the world literally uh, wherever you went. How did COVID impact the world race for you? Uh, so I got back and then about four months after I got home, the entire world shut down. Right. I, it was a challenging transition to go from moving to a new place every three to four weeks to barely being allowed to leave my house. Uh, True. It was like just, yeah, it was, it was a hard switch to make and took a while for me to kind of get used to mm -hmm. Just get used to how things function in the states, let alone how things function in the states when you can't do a whole lot anymore. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely wasn't an easy transition, but the Lord provided through every bit of that too. So how did you adjust? How did you how did you navigate that? Because right, you, every every month you're traveling to a new place, and now you can't go anywhere even the the following day. Right. Um, I. So I was able to keep communicating with the people that I traveled with. Doing something like the world race is something that a lot of people don't like. It's one of those things that you don't completely understand unless you've been on it. Yeah. Uh, so just being able to maintain communication with my friends that went with me uh, and just being able to 
Like my job didn't shut down when I got back from the race. I was working part-time at a coffee shop and was able to continue going to work through that. Uh, so I was able to maintain some bit of normalcy through that, which was good. In the final minutes of today's program, let's shift the focus to your business that you're uh, underway right now. It's called Church Street Cookies. When did you open the store in the village of Cedarville and what prompted you to open the store in Cedarville? Yeah, I, so when I came home from the world race at the end of 2019, uh, my parents had been running what is now Church Street Cookies for probably close to 10 years at that point. Mm -hmm. It was a like side business as they both worked full-time jobs. At the end of 2019, my dad was getting ready to um, close the business down. Um, Why would you want to close the business down? <laughs> Those are great cookies. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, he was in a spot where working full-time at the university, he needed to either do the university full-time or cookies full-time. Okay. And it was at about like at a point where it was, it would be hard to balance both. Um, so he was getting ready to shut it down and I had started working at a coffee shop that he still so sold the cookies at. Okay. I would watch person after person come into the coffee shop and buy about a dozen cookies at a time because they loved them that much. Yeah. And I was in a spot where I decided I couldn't let the business die knowing how much people loved the cookies. Yeah. So I did it as a home-based business for 2020. Okay. And then in November of 2020, I gave my notice at the coffee shop um, because I wanted to be able to do, like to be able to fulfill the Christmas orders that I was expecting to get. Okay. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do both. Right. So I gave them my notice and at the beginning of December, I had someone reach out to me asking if I was interested in like commercial space, commercial like kitchens and storefront. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I was really only interested in getting a bigger mixer, which okay. sounds funny these days. But I told her I would come and take a look at the space and then asked for some time after I came to look at it to pray about it and decide if that's yeah. the step I was supposed to take. Uh, after I, I walked through it with my mom and went home and prayed about it for a few days. And within three weeks I was signing lease papers. And that's the store. That's in, the store here in Cedarville. Yeah. So, so how many cookies in a month or a week do you typically sell? It really depends on the season. Um, Christmas time we could sell probably upwards of about a thousand cookies a week. Okay. Um, just out of the storefront and then doing custom cookies as well. Okay. Do you have an online component of the store where people can buy them online and then you ship them to them? Um, we do have a website at the moment. We're not doing shipping. Um, cookies are surprisingly heavy. Yours, um, yours are cause well, <laughs> they're, cause they're big and they're good. So putting cookies in a box is, and shipping them sure. can be a little pricey these days, right. but it is something that we have been starting to consider over the last few weeks of how, uh, how we can make it national rather than just a Cedarville thing. Yeah. So staying on the, on the storefront in the, in the cookie business, how have you seen the Lord working in your life as you continue to lead this business? Coming into it, I wanted every part of it to be 
ministry in some capacity. All of my employees are high school and college students. Mm. So it gives me the space to still work with, uh, still work with teenagers in some capacity. Uh, and I want it to be a place where they, where my staff can walk in and feel loved and cared for. Um, but I also want it to be a place where we can support other ministries as well. Yeah. Uh, we have a prayer wall in our, on our, in the storefront, uh, and have tags that you can hang on there and we can pray over those regularly. Mm. Uh, we partner with a coffee shop out of Wisconsin who work with, um, getting women out of trafficking, okay. um, which has been really cool to like, to know that every bag of coffee that we buy from them and sell in the store or brew in our store is turning around and helping women. Yeah. So, but you're also, in addition to that, I mean, that's a lot and that's great, but you're also, you also have like a tip jar by your register and that tip jar isn't to help fund you or your workers. Where does that money go? Um, every month or so we have a different ministry and all of the money that gets put into that jar goes towards whatever ministry that is. We have, if one of my staff members goes on a mission trip through the university or otherwise, the money in that jar could go towards them yeah. or partnering with ministries that are working on the front lines overseas or in the U S to, uh, to be able to share, share Christ with, yeah. with anybody and yeah. everybody. Yeah. So it's, it's cookies for Christ actually, or cookies <laughs> for, for a purpose, a mission, yeah, right? Absolutely. So do you ever hear from anyone where, where you send money to, you know, like more than just a thank you, but do you ever hear like how that money was, how that money helped them? I don't think I have any specific stories, but it is like, it's cool to be able to talk to, uh, talk to the different ministries right yeah. now. Ours is, um, it's an organization in Haiti that is, it helps women who are pregnant and giving them like prenatal care and birth care that they wouldn't get otherwise just because of the capacity in which they live. Um, so just knowing where, knowing that the money is going to help them yeah. get like, get their needs filled in ways that it normally wouldn't has yeah. been awesome. Yeah. We're, we're down to the final minute or so in the podcast, but uh, I'm interested in knowing what's your favorite story connected to Church Street Cookies? There is a woman that lives right around the corner from the bakery mm -hmm. and her granddaughters come and stay with her every so often. And every time they come, they ask their grandma if they can go visit the bakery and if they can go walk to the post office because they feel like they are in Mr. Rogers oh, really? being that close to uh, the things that he talks about in his show. So yeah. it's cute to be able to, they just get so excited about going to the bakery and going to the post office. That's a great story. And, and then kind of oddity, it kind of also connects the Pittsburgh angle to you because Mr. Rogers was from Pittsburgh. Exactly. So that's really neat. So, Cookies. What kind of cookies do you sell? Which cookies are your best selling? My favorite is the molasses or the molasses uh, dipped in chocolate. But what's the what's the favorite uh, cookie of choice? 
Our three bestsellers are the ginger molasses, uh, chocolate chip, and decorated sugar cookies. We've been able to track numbers since we opened, and without fail, every single month, those are the three that are always the top choices. Okay. Um, my personal favorite is butterscotch white chocolate. Uh, it's like your standard chocolate chip cookie, but with a bit of a twist on the flavors that are in there. It sounds good. I don't think I've had that one. I don't think your dad's brought that one to the office. I need to, <laughs> I need to remind him about that. Uh, but uh, actually, he was the main baker, right? When the business moved to Ohio, he was the main baker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And does he help you at all now in the, in the kitchen? He and my mom have both been huge helps in having this, like, since we opened the storefront. They will work, they'll help work during graduation and getting started yeah. and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. How can people learn more about Church Street Cookies if they're interested in, in learning more? Yeah, our, we have a website, um, churchstreetcookies.com, that yeah. has all of the cookies that we offer and our story and the different people we partner with. Um, and then our social media on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And are you open five or six days a week? Uh, six days a week. Six days a week. So for those listening to the podcast, if you're in the the, the greater Cedarville area, I highly encourage you to stop by Church Street Cookies and uh, buy a few, maybe a dozen. Uh, you won't regret it. They're really, really good. And uh, with that said, um, Morgan, thank you for sharing your, your passion for missions, for uh, – how the Lord has um, worked in your life to really help people for the gospel's sake. And uh, thanks for sharing that this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.